A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told them, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people of Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me words so that I may also go to pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord. Let's do a little bit of a reset, shall we? That's always appropriate as you're beginning a new year is to wake up and say, where am I and what's going on, right? So here's how I want to reset things. First of all, I want to remind you that Christmas is not over. In fact, in the Orthodox Christian world, today is Christmas. So if there are any here who have an Orthodox heritage and background, Merry Christmas. Is there anybody, by the way? Yay, cool. All right, Merry Christmas. Anybody behind me? Excellent. We got two of you. That's wonderful. Today is Christmas Day in the Orthodox calendar, and so we continue to celebrate Christmas, but we also continue to celebrate because in the rest of the Christian world, today is the celebration of Epiphany. Epiphany is a sort of generic word in some sense that simply means you see something, you realize something. We use that word to describe today because today we celebrate the fact that three, maybe more, wise men, kings, we'll talk about that in a moment, realized that there was something going on in God's world and they made a journey to see what was happening. They had an epiphany. God revealed himself to them. One of the reasons we celebrate today and not on the 25th of December is because we remember that it took the wise men a while to get to Bethlehem. I know, I know that most people think that everything happened immediately, but it might have taken up to two years for the men from the east to come to visit the Christ child. Why do we say two years? We say that because after their visit with Herod, Herod murdered all the sons born who were up to two years old. It had been a while since Jesus had been born, and the Magi had time to get to Bethlehem and to visit with Jesus. 
And so today, just two weeks after Christmas, more or less, we are celebrating Epiphany Sunday. We're still celebrating Christmas. Now we also, of course, because of other calendars and other cultures and traditions, we're celebrating the beginning of a new year, and we are going to take a break then, because it's a new year partly, we're going to take a break from our look at the Apostles' Creed, and we're going to pick that up again with the beginning of Lent. That's about nine weeks from now. And instead, we are going to have a new series of conversations on Sunday morning about light. Okay, that's your warning, light. Now, why are we going to talk about light? Well, let me share with you a little story that will give you a bit of insight into why we're talking about light, but also some insight into how it is that preachers come up with the ideas for what they're going to preach. And the basic thing is, is that we steal material from other people. Okay. Last summer, I put the word out to all of you to give me ideas and thoughts about interesting things to preach about, and one of those came in the form of a long email from Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos said, remember, Jack, that this coming summer, our choir is going to be touring through France, and they're going to be singing a piece and singing about the idea of light. The piece that they're going to be singing is called Lux Eterna, right? Light Eternal. And by the way, we're starting the tour in Paris, the city of lights. And so Juan said, what about the idea of preaching two or three sermons about light? And so lo and behold, now instead of two or three, we have nine sermons coming about the topic of light. Why nine? Well, because that's how many Sundays we have before Lent starts. <laughs> See, isn't that brilliant the way the Lord speaks? But truth be told, we could probably preach 25, 30, 40, even 50 sermons from out of the scriptures that focus on the idea of light. Because light, as an image, as a metaphor, as a way of talking about our relationship with God and what God does in the world, light occurs all throughout the scriptures. I would tell you more, but that would tip you off as to what the next few Sundays will be about. At any rate, we're going to talk about light, and this is a great Sunday to talk about light because, in fact, on Epiphany Sunday, we celebrate the light that appeared to the Magi and that led them to the Holy Child. And so let's come back and focus on that scene just a little bit more. Now, even though most of our Christmas decorations have gone away, we still have the nativity scene out in the patio, and there's a reason for that, because we're still celebrating. And yet our nativity scene does not have any magi, and it doesn't have a star. So try to visualize the magi and the star, and let's talk about them. Usually when I start thinking about Christmas, my mind goes back to my childhood because that's where you begin to learn about Christmas, isn't it? And so I want to share with you what the Magi meant to me as a child and in some sense still do, right? Let's talk about those kings, those mysterious guys that came from the East. Now as a kid, you focus perhaps on different things in the story, right? There's there's Joseph, and Joseph is kind of dressed just like a plain old carpenter, and we know he's tired and he's worried about the bills that are going to come now because they have a kid. 
And then there's Mary, and she's even more tired because she's just had the kid, right? And there's Jesus, who's the little baby, but, but not too interesting yet because he's just a little baby. And then there's, of course, the shepherds, but the shepherds are not all that interesting because they're in worse economic shape than Joseph and Mary are, and I never had that much interest in raising sheep. Perhaps some of you did, but the, the, the shepherds never interested me very much. The animals, you know, sheep, cows, all that kind of stuff, that's great. It's wonderful for food, but so much for the sheep. But then you get to the wise men. Let's talk about the wise men for a minute, right? When you see the wise men, they have arrived on their majestic and mysterious camels, and they're carrying expensive gifts, and the neatest thing is that they're wearing really cool clothes. How many of you were ever in a Christmas pageant as a kid? How many of you were Joseph? How many, let's see, how many Josephs do we have here? Any Josephs? There's a few Josephs. Okay, how about Marys? Any, any Marys here? Okay, a few Marys. How about Jesuses? Was anybody Jesus? Was anybody as a little infant maybe a Jesus? Okay. How about shepherds? How many of you were shepherds? A lot of shepherds. How many of you were sheep? Okay. How about donkeys? Okay. How about the wise men? How many of you were wise men, right? The wise men got to wear the cool clothes. That's all there is to it. You know, you look majestic, you look royal, you look really, really cool. I like the wise men better than anybody else in the nativity scene. Sorry about that, Jesus. But at any rate, okay, so you got the wise men in this, in this view, in this image, in this setting. And then, of course, you have the star. Now, there's lots of conversations in modern culture about that star. You know, was it actually a supernova? Was it a dying star? Was it some celestial event that we can actually trace back and, and try to figure out exactly what it was? There are some folks who say that we can, some folks who are rather skeptical about that. I don't know much about it. But the stars themselves are rather interesting, right? Was it a five-pointed star? Was it a six-pointed star of David? Was it a star with a big, long tail? We don't really know. But stars are kind of cool. Little boys like stars. They're full of light. They're full of mystery. Stars are also interesting because you get to use a lot of electricity or candles or something or other to make the starlight happen. So stars are cool and kings are cool. But let me remind you of this simple fact that, that oftentimes the kings and the star get overlooked. And it all begins with the fact that in every nativity set you ever buy, they're usually not included, right? Every nativity scene has what's called a starter set. Think about this, okay? There's deep theological truth here. There's a starter set to your nativity scene, right? Okay? To have a nativity, there's really two non-negotiable characters. You've got Mary and Jesus, right? Most starter sets at least come with Joseph and Mary and Jesus, okay? If you spend a little bit more, you get a few more figures. But usually what you get is a shepherd or two, and you got to have one sheep, and you got to have one donkey. But then if you're willing to pay more and add on to your set, then maybe you can get the kings and the camels. There aren't many sets that actually have a star, especially one that lights up. So what's that all about? Why do the kings and the star get such short shrift? Partly because not many of us like to sing, we three kings of Orient are. <laughs> right? 
We like to sing two or three verses of it. Do you know how many people are going to complain to me, Bob? And I'll refer it to the Worship and Arts Committee about the fact that we sang every single verse of We Three Kings today. But those verses tell a story, don't they? And you don't get the whole story unless you sing all the verses. Well, let's go a little bit deeper and talk a little bit more about the three kings. They actually were not kings at all. The reason we call them kings is partly because of that hymn. They were called the Magi. The Magi were ancient Persian astronomers and astrologers. They were from Iraq. They were scientists of their day. They studied the movements of the heavenly bodies and they studied theology and they studied philosophy. They were the learned wise men of their day. They were the opinion makers and the thought shapers when it came to matters of cosmic significance. They were also pagans. They weren't Jews. Jesus, the king of the Jews, had been born, and some non-Jews came to worship him. As Matthew tells the story, the people listening or reading are not impressed by the cool outfits or the interesting camels. They're impressed by the fact that even pagan philosophers and theologians would come to worship Jesus. They did not really know the God of Israel, but the God of Israel had appeared to them too, signaling to us that there was something bigger going on in the life and times of Jesus than just the Hebrew people. The whole world was invited to get to know Jesus. That's why it's important that the Magi came. And of course, they followed a star. Ancient people, many of them, believed that the stars, that all the heavenly bodies were actually gods. And that the movement and the alignment of those stars, and especially the appearance of one from seemingly out of nowhere, was a sign from the gods, the gods themselves speaking, the gods themselves controlling our lives. And that's what the Magi believed. They saw this amazing star and knew that they had to follow it in order to learn what the gods were saying to them. Matthew tells us that those pagan, non-Jewish astrologers came to meet Jesus. They followed the star. The very God who made the stars, and even that one special one, used the stars to say something to these people that he wanted to include around the manger. This God who made the stars was not in the stars. The God was here with us present in the person of Jesus. Let's think about what the starlight meant then for those magi. God used something 
that they would pay attention to. God used something that they thought meant something in order to get their attention. And then they began to learn that the light came from God and the light spoke about God. That light of the star shone on a particular place and especially on a particular person. And the story then is not about the star or even the magi. It's about the person who is revealed because of the light of God. The light itself is not the point. The point is the one in whom there is the light of God, the light of God that was coming into the world. Think about the Magi for a moment and what they did with that information. They accepted this invitation that was written in a language they could begin to understand. They followed the prompting, their own desire to learn and to know more. Even though they didn't know everything about God, they at least opened their minds to learning more. And they came then to this place where Jesus was. And they worshipped him. They gave to him. And then in what's almost a throwaway line, we read that they went home by another road. I've always thought about that in the light of the experience that the Magi had with Herod. You remember that story. They, they come to Jerusalem first and they inquire of Herod, where is the new king of the Jews? You're the existing king, where's the new one? And Herod has some rather dark designs for this new king. And so the wise men, being astute about these sort of things, decide to go home by another route. But the words that Matthew uses are actually these words, that they go home by another way. Another way. And of course he means that they meant to evade Herod. But maybe he meant a little bit more than that. They went home another way. Do you remember that the very first Christians did not call themselves Christian. They called themselves people of the way. The way that was new, unique, enlightened and informed. The way of following Jesus. The Magi, how many of them there were, we don't know. Exactly who they were, we don't know. But we know that they went home another way. Maybe what Matthew is saying to us as they went home as changed people who were following a different way of life. People who had met now the light of all creation in the person of God, Jesus. And their way would never be the same. We're meant to read this story not just for the sake of historic interest, but for the sake of seeing that same light ourselves. And understanding that it calls us to a new 
way, a way that is changed, a way that is different, a way that is informed and inspired and illuminated by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because of that way that we seek to follow, that we begin our new year together always gathered around this table. For indeed, it is the image of this table that defines and illuminates for us the way that we are to follow. The way that Jesus lived was a way of sacrifice, a way of selfless giving, a way of loving, a way of including everyone, even pagan philosophers, including everyone into the family. We gather around this table, remembering that the child whom those magi finally met and saw is the man who lived and died and lives again for us. And so ministering in his name, I invite all of you to come to this table to be nourished and strengthened by the food that is here, to be illuminated in our hearts and minds and souls by the truth that we encounter, and then to go out and live in the way that will shine the light of God into the lives of others. Come, let us enjoy this feast together. We will enjoy the bread individually, as a sign of our personal relationship with Christ, but then we will wait and enjoy the wine together all at once as a sign that we are one family in the body of Jesus. Come, enjoy the meal.